mm. if you're just saying I'm medium or below, because I'm not supposed to say I'm better than anybody or think that I'm better than anybody. Again, by, by saying, I'm not saying say to other people, but say to yourself that I'm better. I've done the work to be better. Like mm -hmm. you're not going to go for better opportunities. You're not going to go for bigger things. You're not going to give yourself permission to actually go for it. And I think it's extremely harmful. Welcome to the Emotional Fortitude Podcast. How to build the emotional fortitude to win in life and in business. No fluff, just real world results. I'm your host, Ida Marmorani, ex-Israeli Special Forces, former undercover agent, Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and mindset expert. It's okay to feel better than other people. That doesn't mean you are more worthy. It doesn't mean that you're inherently a better person or that you were born better. It simply means that you have earned it. You do the work that other people won't. You choose to act in ways that others won't. You face your challenges head up, roll up your sleeves, and do the painful work that others would shy away from. You face your life with courage where others are paralyzed by fear. For all these reasons, you have made yourself a better person than most, and you should acknowledge this. This one broke my brain, and I experienced strong emotional resistance to hearing Itamar say this. For that reason, I know it's important and something I must explore further. But if you want to be a strong, confident man, you must be able to take pride in the fact that you see yourself as better than most. Again, be kind to those behind you, stay humble, and feel excited to be in the presence of great men. Don't become arrogant. Don't change how you act towards other people, but carry yourself in the way that a great man would. This was written as a summary to one of the conversations we had in the elite event by Fabian, one of the guys in the elite. And it was a very interesting subject because it got brought up when we were doing a round table and I could see one of the guys was just not willing to acknowledge how good he is at a certain thing. And because of that, he was holding himself back. He had this false sense of humility that was actually ineffective. So what we're going to talk about today is why it's actually important to be able to acknowledge that you are better than most if you put in the work and what's the difference between effective humility and actually harmful humility. So it's going to be a bit controversial today. You're going to feel a bit of squirmy. That's all right. We're going to get through it. We're going to talk about some touchy subjects and we're going to get started. So first off, Alex, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Edema. Excited to get into it. Cool. Any initial thoughts on this before we get started? I'm just bracing myself to feel the feelings. <laughs> awesome. All right. So here's what I really want to jump into. The whole thing, I'm better than other people. It's like we talked about it last week in part one of this pod that like you do need to judge. And if you don't judge, you deny yourself the ability to really have an effective outlook on life, what works, what doesn't, and so on and so on. So with that, you want to judge also like, am I doing a better job than most? Now, we already talked last week about all the stuff about it's okay to do that, why it's effective to do that, and so on and so on and so on. Now, I want to dive into a bit of a deeper realm here and talk about effective humility versus harmful humility. And like, Alex, off the bat, like we talked about this obviously a little bit, but what do you think is the difference between effective humility and harmful humility? I guess the context for me would be, you know, what are you trying to work towards, getting clear on what you're trying to work towards, and, and then look at whether that humility is acting as a propeller forwards, or is it acting as an anchor? Is it something which is holding you back? So what do you mean by what are you working towards? Like give me an example, elaborate a little bit, help me understand. Sure, so whether it would be in business, relationships, et cetera. So let's say um, I wanted to have a stronger marriage, stronger relationship. Uh, if my humility is in some way affecting and causing trouble in that relationship, then I would say that it's ineffective, harmful humility um, and not effective. 
business probably adds a, an easier context for me to understand as to where is it effective or where is it harmful. Yeah. So where do you think it's harmful in business? Harmful in business would be, it could be um, intentionally downplaying your capabilities. Um, it could be not setting goals or aspirations, um, setting the bar high enough. Um, so just playing within the comfort zone, coming from a place of humility, but maybe it's actually coming from a place of, of fear or it's, um, it's at least not helpful to moving, moving the needle on whatever the desired outcome is. Yeah. I think you said something so spot on that it doesn't come from a place of humility, it comes from fear a lot of times. So one of the other guys in the elite, um, I'm not, I'm not going to name him by name because I don't know if he's public about this, but I knew him for about a year and a half before he actually joined the arena program. And we had lived in a similar space in like a similar place in the same town. And I knew him, I would see him in like jujitsu and I was like, oh, he's just kind of like a nice guy. But that's all I thought of him because he never gave me the opportunity to see that the fact that he has like this giant trail of chain of hostels and hotels and restaurants and all that. And he never gave anybody else a chance to do that. And it's then he wondered like, why doesn't he have an actual network, like a strong community? both for like business and personal. It's because he had this fear of, you know, all the people from, let's say, the Commonwealth countries, the tall poppy syndrome. Mm. Like I see it a lot with the guys from the UK, New Zealand, Australia. And it's mm. this fear of like, oh, if, if I just show myself, people will think I'm arrogant. And that's a bad thing. And I'll be ostracized. And like, that's where that humility actually cost him a lot as far as network and as far as a social network as well. And like only after I, I literally remember when he messaged me one day and he was like, hey, man, I think I want to do your program. And I felt really awkward about it because I was like, man, like, I'm not, how can I explain to him that's an expensive program and he's probably not going to be able to afford it little than I know what he's actually up to. Mm. But it's like, it's an example where that fear of being judged by like actually being able to like say who you are and be comfortable with it. It's like people keep themselves small. That's where it's really mm. ineffective. Like I wasn't going to talk about it today, but I think it's such a good point. Yeah, I've noticed the same thing coming from, from Australia, I, I, I think that social conditioning is mirrored UK, New Zealand, where with this tall poppy syndrome, we have a really hard time uh, acknowledging our achievements or, or att positive attributes. And that tall poppy syndrome can be um, really harmful uh, in terms of you know, trying to improve the quality of your life uh, because of that, that fear of public ridicule, um, judgment, etc. Great. So that's point one. Like what you brought up, I wasn't going to bring it up. But like point one is public ridicule, that fear of that. Part two is the self-talk that comes with it. Like the tall poppies, you know, keeping yourself down. So have you ever seen the movie uh, Any Given Sunday with Al Pacino, Jamie yeah, Foxx, yeah. Cameron Dude? Yeah. yeah. And if you remember, there's a part before the game where they show what I think it was one of the wide receivers. He's standing in front of the mirror, just like looking at himself very intensely. And he's like, you are the best wide receiver in the world. You can catch anything. And he's like amping himself up. Just be like, you are the greatest. Right. And in that kind of context, it's like, oh, yeah, of course you should do that. Like, what if we saw there's somebody saying, hey, you're not better than any other wide receiver. Mm. Just be humble. Like, do you think he would perform at his best if that's what he did? Mm. And for some reason in the context of sports, like, that's okay. And I think in context of other life, people say that's not okay. Now, in sports, like, there's such a clear whether you win or you lose that some things just are allowed because it's very clear. This is impactful. This is not impactful. It's effective. It's not effective. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like 
people their own self-talk because they say, oh, I'm not better than anybody, then you're not going to go for bigger things than most people. Mm. If you're just saying I'm medium or below, because I'm not supposed to say I'm better than anybody or think that I'm better than anybody. Again, by, by say, I'm not saying say to other people, but say to yourself that I'm better. I've done the work to be better. Like mm -hmm. you're not going to go for better opportunities. You're not going to go for bigger things. You're not going to give yourself permission to actually go for it. And I think it's extremely harmful. Yeah. I've, I've been very guilty of this um, uh, myself and, and I realize how detrimental it can be um, with that intentional downplaying of your capabilities. Um, it's just not, it's not productive. It's not helpful. Yeah. I think it, that humility, let's call it again, like bad humility, ineffective humility, it creates a ceiling for ourselves. It's like why I write all my emails like I sign off with who dares wins. It's because it's really that. And it's like that whole saying like he who says he can and he who says he can't are both usually right. Mm. It's that. Like if you're saying I'm not better than anybody else, like you can say that. Like some people say that, but they don't actually believe that. Like they say, oh, I'm not better than anybody else, but you can tell they think they're better. And that's where mm. they actually give themselves permission to go for bigger and better things. But if you actually say that and you start believing that, yeah, you're going to go for things that are no better than any other people. You're not going to give yourself the opportunity to really go for it. You're going to start diminishing yourself. And then it's going to become the self-fulfilling prophecy as well. And then I've seen that with a lot of entrepreneurs. They're like, oh, like, this person should be at a nine. But they're telling themselves, like, I'm not better. So let me just go for this like level six opportunity. And then they go for the level six opportunity. They're like, well, I'm only doing a level six opportunities. I'm not that good. So then uh, they go to a level five. And it becomes this negative spiral downhill. Yeah, it, it seems that the, um, in the same way that affirmations, uh, mantras, etc., might be powerful yeah. ways to program the self, the subconscious to you know, believe in in something, um, that vocalizing uh, and downplaying your, yourself uh, can have the opposite effect. And then yep. if you say it enough times, you start to actually believe it to be true. Yeah. Now, I think my, my thoughts on this are that I think the reason that this is a taboo one to say that I'm better than other people is because it does initially, like on a very base level, it could take away someone's humility. And humility is really, really important in order to grow. And that's why I think there needs to be a, dip, a deeper understanding of the language around here, effective humility and ineffective humility. And that's really what I want to talk about in this pod. Like the way I look at it is effective humility is one that enables beginner's mind. Like we used to call it in the agency an operational curiosity. You don't want to just say, oh, I'm, I'm better. I know everything. It's done. You always want to have that operational curiosity to be able to explore, to see things from a new lens, to really have that beginner's mind so you can learn like a white belt mentality. Now, what's ineffective humility is when we say something, but then that makes us feel small and then it acts small and we put ceilings on what we should be able to accomplish. And like saying, I'm not better than other entrepreneurs, like what would that do to my self-image if that's what I keep telling myself? And what would that do to my confidence? And then the goals I go after and ultimately the impact that I'm able to make like for myself, my life, my family's life and beyond that. Like what's the benefit? And what kind of people do you attract into your life? I mean, if you're, you know, if given the options, if I've got, you know, two people I can bring into my inner circle, person A believes they're better than other people, person believes B believes the opposite, that everyone else is better than them. Well, I want to hang around person A all day compared to the, the contrast to the, the person who doesn't believe they're, they're enough. Yeah, it's like 
So I'll take it a very extreme example because sometimes extreme examples help articulate principles. Um, so there's a book called If This Is a Man by Primo Levi. He talks about his experience. Uh, he was a Holocaust survivor. He talks about experience of the camp in Auschwitz-Birkenau. And it's a very, very interesting book to read. First off, it's, it's very, very well written and it's very recommended about the, the human condition. And he talks about how the life in the camp was really wild from a psychological perspective because there were no confines like there are in regular society to stop people who are too strong from being tyrants and to also help people who are really weak from just getting overtaken. There weren't those usual like boosters of society to make sure that everyone's taken care of. That didn't exist. So you could really see, and he said this, like once someone started appearing a little bit strong, they would gain a lot of power. People would give them power. They would just give it to them. They would assume, oh, this is a strong person. Let me give them more power. And once someone started showing a little bit of weakness, he was like, that was it. You could see there was a slope and they were going to pass. They weren't going to be able to survive. And it, it's such an interesting concept when you look at it from that perspective, what you were saying. Like the person who just has that, like, again, like, starts out with the good intention of being humble, but then he just appears to everybody else around him as someone who's not that capable. Like people aren't going to be drawn to that. Mm. Yeah. I, th I think it's a, it's a process of trying to be accurate, being accurate, not embellishing capabilities, but not underplaying them. It's just being accurate. Yeah. That, that's very well said. So what do you think that line is? How do you do, how do you find that accuracy? Uh, I think the first step would probably be being clear about what the criteria is. So am I capable in this particular area? Uh, and then trying to do as much of an objective self audit as possible and say, well, um, you know, is, is it kind of like the tabletop with the, with the, the legs of a belief? Like I believe that I'm above average or I believe that I've got, you know, elite or sort of superior capabilities in this area and I have evidence to support that belief. Therefore I should be confident about that, which is now an empowering sort of frame to, to approach business and life as opposed to uh, a very subjective, uh, sort of almost defeatist, um, amplified humility, which I can see as being um, detrimental. Yeah. I have a different thought on this. Cool. I think it's understanding, like, again, where is this helping me? It's like, am I. I think a lot of people are bogged down by this, like you're supposed to be humble. Again, that big like mantra that we all know culture, you're supposed to be humble. But, like, does that actually serve me in which way? Mm. And like, I think again, having that effective humility where it enables you to learn, that's great. When you have this ineffectability, ineffective humility that you think, oh, I should act small, that's when it's a problem. And the reality is you can act very, let's call it like, like a big person that you are as big as you are and be humble for more knowledge and be curious. Mm. It's like, I've, it, it was, I remember one of the, the first entrepreneur conferences I ever attended, I was actually going to give a speech there, uh, about my lessons from the special forces and so on. And they had a meeting for all the people that uh, was their first time attending this community's conference. And that was like the very first thing of the, of that weekend. And I went to it and 
like they talked a little bit about the community and so on and so on. And then they said, does anybody have any questions? People ask questions. And I raised my hand. I was like, how would you guys, I don't, I've never done this entrepreneur thing yet. Like, how would you recommend to like approach people that are further ahead of me and try to create a connection with them? If you guys have any insights from managing this so long. And they gave some really good advice and it was interesting. And then one of the other community leaders came up to me like a week later when we were just in a, in a coffee shop and we bumped into each other. And he's like, hey, dude, I thought you were full of shit when you were supposed to give a talk. I was like, who's this douchebag, the special forces guy and all that. But then when I saw you being comfortable enough to ask that, and not from a defeated place, but you're like, okay, I know I'm going to succeed in life, but I want more tools. I'm more, I'm hungry for that. And he mm. was like, okay, you're probably the real deal. As soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, this guy has something with him. Mm. And this obviously wasn't my intent to do that. But I, for me, it was a lesson like, oh, you can definitely be humble. And it actually impressed people if you're doing it from a place of power. Have you seen this also play out in some of the clients that you've worked with where they've had a a breakthrough where they've gone from a place of ineffective or unhelpful humility, have had an alternative perspective shared and then sort of had a brain break moment and then to see them sort of take flight in a particular area of their life when that when that sort of baggage of ineffective humility is, is lifted? Yep. So I'll answer this in a bit of a different way. So there's that saying like winners win. Mm. It's a big one. Like winners win. Why? Because they decide to be winners and decide they're going to win. And I think I've seen, a, I think that's the shift. I've seen a lot of clients decide to adopt that identity. Like I'm a winner and winners win. And when someone has that identity, they don't need to do that ineffective humility anymore. They don't need to feel like, oh, I need to play small. I need to like be quiet or whatever. No, I'm a winner. And because I'm a winner, I'm also comfortable. And like I need to ask questions. I need to gain knowledge. But the person that's sitting across from them and is answering their questions doesn't for a moment think this is a weak individual. He thinks, oh, this is a very hungry individual for knowledge. I think that's really like the biggest shift I've seen in a lot of the guys. It's like as soon as they adopt that mentality, they recognize, oh, I can be winner and I can be humble and not offend most people. Mm -hmm. And I, then I can have that beginner's mind and have everything. And, like, and it's okay for me to say, like, I think I'm better than most because I choose to conduct myself this way. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like those were the main topics I wanted to key in on. Do you have anything that you want to add around this? I've got a personal anecdote I might have shared with you, but I can I can share for the audience where I had one of those sort of transcendent breakthroughs. Please. And it, and it, it, kept, it was a, it was the context was career, and it was just after I'd moved to Hong Kong, and I had a old client of mine on on a phone call, and they were. They were asking how things were going. I was sort of in a scrappy startup phase, didn't really know anybody. And um, they asked me a, a very challenging question, which was, why do I have this fear of success? Yeah. Uh, and they, they, they had a great sort of Rolodex of, of situations to hit me with where I had worked really hard on a particular project. And then the last minute, like when, when it came time to get the fruits of, of my labor, I was very quick to hand it off to somebody else or sort of pause a project. It's like I, I had this resistance against actually getting financially rewarded from you know, the entrepreneurial efforts I, I'd made. And I tried to explain to them that I think that this comes from a place of you know, some childhood trauma and not feeling worthy of, of um, financial abundance because there's so many people in the world that don't have anything. 
And it was a beautiful one liner that just it literally changed my life. And they said, well, how is keeping yourself poor helping anybody? And I just got goosebumps again. It broke my brain and I earned a million dollars in revenue in the next 12 months. Um, a million dollars, sorry, in personal income in the next 12 months. Yeah. Simply by having my brain broken and realizing that ineffective humility was actually holding me back. And if I actually wanted to assist people financially, then I needed to, you know, it's like they're saying you can't pour from an empty cup. And yep. it really helped me break my brain and realizing that keeping myself um, financially just getting by wasn't helping anybody. And I had these sort of altruistic dreams, but completely incapable of affecting anything because I just didn't have the financial means. And so that was a really powerful anecdote for me to realize how that had been not serving me uh, for a long time. Why did you feel like you, you thought it was a good idea to keep yourself down? Like not on a logical level, but like. At an emotional level, it came from a place of not feeling worthy. It came from a place of feeling that, and, and you've, you've brought this to my attention um, several times is a, feeling that being a feeling that being powerful is bad. And so I thought that having lots of zeros in the bank account equaled power and power equals bad. Therefore I'm better off just to sort of toil and scrap forever, but actually benefiting from that was something which needed to be avoided. And I was only realizing that that the, the hypocrisy of my thought that I, I wanted to help people uh, financially Therefore, I'm going to try to keep myself poor. Just makes absolutely no sense, but it just shows you how how um, that emotional cloud can stop you from seeing things in a, in a logical way. You were in the room when we had that conversation. Do you mm -hmm. think that was also a trigger of the other people there that they had a resistance to being powerful? And I feel like that's why I'm not supposed to be able to say that. Possibly, if I, if I think through it, and the, the individuals present. Um, it might be true for some of them. I think the social conditioning element, certainly for people like Anthony and myself, I think that we had a, I think everyone in the room had a, had a, had a some form of reaction to that, uh, which shows just how powerful this, this is. Uh, um, the fact that everyone has a, a, a reaction to it and we needed to double click on it and sort of unpack it, understand it, and that we've all came to the same realizations of how unhelpful um that intentional uh humility has been um yeah i don't know what, i don't know whether it was a more of a social conditioning or whether it was just purely a, a resistance against power maybe a combination of both could be that it's interesting what you're saying from a social conditioning because you know like in israeli culture it's the opposite mm. it's like everyone thinks they should be the ceo and like that whole like it does seep into the psychology of the culture that like you're the quote unquote chosen people that you should do big things. And like the Jewish mother that always encourages the son to like, just go conquer the world. You can be whatever you want to be. And there is like a lot of the, the vernacular that I use in English around um, like playing small and all that. Like I literally don't know the term for that in Hebrew doesn't it's exist. Real. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's not, it, it might exist, but it just, it doesn't come to mind. Mm -hmm. That's never something that we really talked about. And it is an interesting cultural thing. Like, it's how we said, like, he who says he can't, and he who says he 
can't or both usually right. It's that I think a lot of times that humility, like where it comes from like a good place of trying to be humble and good and kind, what it actually does is it tricks people into saying like, you shouldn't see yourself as really great. You should see yourself as just like, okay. Because if you see yourself as great, then you'll be mean to people. So don't do that. Mm. But like what we talked about last time, you don't have to be mean to people if you see yourself as great. If you judge someone as like further behind where you are right now, it doesn't mean you have to be negative to them. It actually means that you could be the opposite. That you could have more compassion, more empathy, and like how you said, like more altruistic opportunities to actually help them. But oh. I think there is a great benefit to saying I'm great. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that there's probably a correlation. You could probably back this up with some data. If you look at those, those countries that's referring to UK, Australia, New Zealand, uh, we've always looked at the, the contrast of this sort of American culture as being that the opposite of, you know, Americans yeah. can stand on stage. I'm the great, I'm the best. And everyone says, yes, you are and push each other forwards. Whereas Aussies, if you say that, you know, you're half decent at something, you kind of brace yourself for the, sort of the public ridicule yet there's a entrepreneurial slash aspirational flight out of those countries. So typically when people mm. want to get ahead, um, they tend to relocate. A lot of Aussies relocate to Europe, US, um, Asia, uh, and the mental health and suicide rates amongst men in those jurisdictions. In the UK, suicide is the leading cause of deaths for men under 50. Wow. Um, so it'd be very interesting to see if there's a correlation um, between men's mental health issues and suicide um, in those countries per capita. Does it rank higher than countries where um, we, they do have a more um, empowering uh, sort of social conditioning or, or culture yeah. of pushing each other up rather than trying to cut each other down? Yeah. The, the way you said it down there, this is what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, it makes sense that you would be very unhappy if you felt like you kept, like you weren't allowed to rise. If you want mm -hmm. to naturally rise, but you're not allowed to do that, like, mm -hmm. that would suck. And yeah. There's Chris Williamson. He runs the Modern Wisdom podcast. Great podcast. Yes, yeah, great. And, and I remember seeing a clip of him saying that when he moved from the US to Austin, all of a sudden he had so much more energy. Sorry, from the UK to Austin, he had so much more energy because all of a sudden he's like, everyone around you is really positive and saying like, go, good job and go. He's like, and it felt really nice. And it's like, it's a big thing. And I think just again, like, that's what we do to ourselves in a lot of ways by saying i'm not better than anyone else we keep ourselves down yeah. I that's the reason i left australia the reason really? I left australia the reason i left australia is i was stagnant and i realized that the people around me in the industry that i was in um things were very complacent and trying to innovate um, was usually met with some level of resistance or, or confusion and that's why I packed my bags and and uh, and moved to Asia. And once those wheels were in motion, uh, I lost a good chunk of my my friendship group at the time because they couldn't understand it. Um, they they saw that my, my desire to grow and to experience was somehow ultimately I can see it for what it is. It was challenging their status quo, Just putting a mirror to their face as well. Of course, yeah, of course, and. I want to dive into that. I think that's such an important thing to acknowledge and to understand. Like, even if you do this the exact right way and you are always, let's call it, courteous and kind and you never come off condescending, you make the effort to never look at people as below you, 
some people will still give you a negative reaction. Mm. And I think that's something like people have to accept. And from what I've seen, the biggest thing that holds people back from being able to deal with that is that they want people's approval. Like I want people to like me. I've seen that so many times in the arena. People say like, oh, why you do that? I want people to like me. I'm like, who? Like, I don't know. You should be very specific because if you want everyone to like you, there's always going to be those people that would only like you if you stayed small and then disrupt their like outlook on the world or their outlook on themselves in relation to the world. Because if we both grew up in the same place and I got to X and you're only at 0.1 X, there's really not a lot of justifications you can give yourself as to why you weren't able to do it. So my presence is going to make you feel very uncomfortable about yourself. Most people are not aware enough to say, oh, I'm uncomfortable about myself because Alex is doing so well and I'm not. So I'm going to say, Look, oh, I don't like Alex, how Alex makes me feel. And because I'm also not mature enough to handle that emotion, I don't like how Alex makes me feel, I lash out at Alex for some reason. Instead of sure. just saying, why do they not like how I feel around Alex? What does it say about me? What's really going on here? I should take ownership and accountability. Of it. Mm -hmm. I've seen that in business circles on, on more than one occasion where I've got enemies who I've never met before. There's, there's people who <laughs> have a real disdain for me and have got a lot of bad things. I've never even met them or interacted with them before. And it's very clear in those situations what's going on that they see your success as uh, that mirror onto themselves, as a, as a threat to, 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 to their success. And so they're in the business of cutting down castles rather than building them. Yeah. And so it's very easy to see when that, when that manifests what, what's going on. Um, and it's also easy to see why people do hold themselves back because if you're trying to do anything amazing, there's going to be a certain amount of attention, whether you're an entrepreneur, social work, etc. And if you're worried about the judgment of people, knowing that 49% of people are probably going to disagree with you on anything, then more. you're not. I would say more. Gonna... I would say more than 49%. <laughs> yeah. Then you're not going to take those shots. You're not going to step up. You're going to stay in that comfort zone because you're, you're worried about upsetting people who yeah. you probably have nothing in nothing common with in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, for me, it was very confusing at first. Like when I first started to like see more success in various areas in life, some people who were what's called like very good friends, all of a sudden, like I would get weird vibes from them. And I was like, am I doing something wrong here? Is it me? And that was a confusing. I was like, what am I doing here? And my mom actually told me a sentence that was very poignant. She said, Edomar, a lot of people are going to help you move from a big house to a small one. Very few are comfortable helping you move from a house that's their size to a bigger one. Very few have like the humility to do that. Like people, mm -hmm. it just like, it's easy for them to feel good about helping someone when he's not doing well. It's hard for most people to root for someone when he's actually doing better. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's like why we can't say to ourselves like I'm doing great because we're afraid somebody else will see that and then they'll reject us in some way. But the reality is, like you're saying, like, dude, if you right now go and make $100 million, I'll be so happy for you. You know what I mean? Like, I will root for you. I will go, like, I will literally go and buy you dinner, even though you just made $100 million more than me. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. like, to celebrate that. But I think that's the rare thing. It's like having that intentionality of saying, who do I want to actually, like, respect me? And I'm okay with everybody else having some kind of judgment is so mm -hmm. free. And the moment we recognize that, we give ourselves permission. You know what? I am better than most. 
And I'm comfortable being around other people that say I'm also better than most. And together, we're all going to rise really big. And also, while that, we recognize that because we want to rise so much, we have to have that effect of humility. It's like, have you ever heard of uh, Quincy Jones, the music producer? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the Netflix documentary they did on him? No. Beautiful documentary. Really worth watching. And there's one point where his daughter asked him, like, Dad, like, how come you've never had an ego? He said, my goals were too big to have an ego. And he just said it like straight off the cuff like that. And it's that he was just like, he knows he's great. He's won so many like Grammys and Emmys. He knows he's great. He knows it. But mm. also he recognized like if I want to keep being even greater, I can't have an ego. And that's that effective humility. To be able to say, I am better than most. I choose to be. I aim to be. I make the effort to be. And still my goals are so big that I have to, I can't afford to have an ego. I have to have that curiosity. And I think that's the difference between having effective humility and ineffective humility that simply keeps you small and makes you feel less than yourself. And then you go for less targets, smaller targets in a smaller life. Yeah. So how do we, how do we quantify, how, how do we, is there, a, is there a process of identifying where our humility is effective or ineffective? I think sometimes instead of having a complex process, we can just ask about somebody else. Like as soon as we take ourselves out of the situation and we don't have like our ego and our emotions, mm. if I'd say like, okay, if there was a clone of me, is what they're doing now effective or ineffective to get them towards your goals? Yeah, your name. And usually as soon as we do that, like for me, if I want to see for a lot of other people, as soon as we use that little trick, yeah. everything is so clear. Like would so somebody else who wants to achieve X in a situation Y, would this behavior be effective or ineffective in helping them get there? And if we say it's ineffective, we're like, okay, then what emotional cue of mine is drawing me to do an irrational thing? Maybe it's a social conditioning, like you said. Maybe it's a fear, whatever it may be. Mm. Okay, what is that thing that's causing me to not be able to do the rational thing that I would definitely tell somebody else to do in this situation if they want to succeed? Mm. And like, that's honestly a lot about how the arena works, how the program works. If you've noticed, if you first get clear on people, what, what people want, then we break down what are the specific actions, the most high-impact actions that will get you there. Then why do you feel resistance to them? And when we do that, we can figure out what are people's like root beliefs or insecurities, fears, doubts, whatever it may be, that play up and cause them to not do the thing that will get them the easiest result. Doing, doing Arena and now Elite has really, really helped me understand this. I mean, I've got it tattooed twice on my body um, as, as reminders. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's a Marianne Williamson quote. That starts off, you know, our greatest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. You've uh, you've challenged me on this several times. I'm sure you'll be required to probably challenge me on this several several more times. But for me, I think it's it's going to be an ongoing process of reminding myself and also recognizing that it's just exhausting um, intentionally downplaying yourself. Mm. Um, not, not only is it ineffective, it's just it's it's wasted energy. Uh, and a, a real example of how much this has been a challenge for me was when on our last night of the elite event and you were saying something positive about me and it's at like some, some subconscious level, I almost didn't even, even want to hear it because I thought you were talking about Tom who was oh, yeah, sitting next to me. <laughs> I so, um, and then I'm like, why are you ignoring me, dude? Like yeah, looking at the face. Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was a bizarre moment, but it was almost like at some subconscious level, I was, there's still a resistance against hearing nice things about myself to the point that I was actually thought you're talking about somebody else. 
Yeah. So it shows you how how deep the clutches of that ineffective humility can be is something which I'm still trying to shape off myself. Yeah. So what would you recommend to people? Because I'll be honest, this is not something that I've grappled with as much. I think perhaps because of the cultural upbringing and all that, like I've always been perhaps even too comfortable, like going for the big things, even when I wasn't ready. Mm. But what would you say to someone at home who's like, man, I feel very uncomfortable with this. And I don't think I should say I'm better than other people. And I think that's the wrong thing to do. Like, what would you tell them? What would you advise them on how to go about this? I'd, I'd borrow something which I've learned from you, which is getting really clear about what it is we're trying to judge in the first place. Because I think that a lot of people are, are clouded in this sort of overwhelming judgment. It gets very fuzzy. So get, get clear on the thing. Um, maybe it's business, maybe it's personal finance, maybe it's social impact. And then start to do a objective, as, as objective as you can, audit of your capabilities in that thing. Uh, the, the analogy that helps me understand it is the tabletop and the legs. The, the, the belief is a tabletop and then are there legs to support it? Have you been recognized for this thing in the past? Um, have you been successful at this thing in the past? Have other people offered you money to advise them? Or, and as you start to stack these table legs, you start to go, well, this is true. And what's not true is my ineffective humility. Uh, so trying to have a, a process of auditing it to sort of weigh it up is probably where I'd start. Rather, rather than like a, a fuzzy mantra or just kind of like a, a, a little one-liner trying to sort of, um, you know, trick yourself into believing that you're capable. It's just trying to do a really objective self-audit. Interesting. So it's basically about it's like recognizing what you have done and mm. then not allowing yourself to downplay it. Yeah. So let's, let's say that you had a complete identity break and that you now did suffer from an ineffective uh, humility and you know having a chat I want to talk about that sure so th th this is really interesting because you said that I'm like dude i have that a lot that happens like i also have like days where i don't feel confident you know what i mean like no but i think this is so important so example like the the reason i remember that scene from any given sunday when he says i'm the best wide receiver in the world is because i do that shit as well Sorry for my language, but like, cool. especially before I give like big presentations in front of like audiences that I don't know how they're going to receive it. For example, like last year I gave uh, a talk in front of 300 entrepreneurs all from Asia. And the leader of the conference literally told me before that, hey man, like, I, I really like your stuff, but I don't know how they're going to receive it because it's pretty like advanced and it's not like in the States, da, 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 so we'll see. So of course there's going to be nerves there. And I literally went to the bathroom before that and be like, and like, just like look at the mirror, like it sounds cheesy as hell. But I was like, dude, you know your shit pretty much better than anyone else. It's like, there's no way if they're human beings, you're not going to get this. Like go in, like show us confidence, fake it a little bit and go do your thing. And like, I think it's perfectly fine to have that self-talk to yourself. It's effective. It's like why the guys in the sports where it's so clear if there's a winner and a loser, they choose to embrace those tactics. Mm. It's a tactic for a more effective output. It's something that I still do to this day. 
And like a lot of times, especially like business is challenging. A lot of times you feel like, oh, I'm not getting this. This is so confusing. Am I not good? Da, 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 da. It's not all that's going to happen. I think sometimes reminding ourselves who we are, that I am great at this. And I am going to be better. And I am a winner. And winners win. And I will find a way to win. Like, you know, it's going to happen if AI completely takes over my business. I'll create another business. Why? Because I'm a winner and winners win. That's a decision I've made. Yeah. I've decided to be that guy. And I think this is the big thing. Like, we can decide to be that guy. Okay. They say, like, in, uh, in sports, like, to be him. I'm him. I'm that dude. Mm. And I think not saying that, we deny ourselves the opportunity to really go for things because we set low targets. And like what I said earlier about that, I sometimes pre prematurely went for big targets. I still think I'm better for that because I perhaps overextended myself and had a painful lesson, but I was able to learn because of that. And when I learned that lesson, I was able to take it forward again and again and again and again. And like, for me, that's the biggest thing to recognize that this is actually impactful to say. It will help you. And yes, you will meet some resistance, both from yourself, because it feels uncomfortable, because it's against social conditioning, or there's some fears, like you said, about that. And you will meet resistance from some group of people. But if you're clear that those group of people are not the ones you actually should care about, you can move past that. And if you choose to, do, to move past that, to recognize and say to yourself, like, I am going to be great. I am a winner. I'm better than most because I make the effort to be better than most. And you combine that with having that humility because your goals are so big that you can't afford not to be humble. Mm. You can crush life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, think, do you think there's a benefit in, in calling bullshit on ourselves when that ineffective humility is there? So let's say, you know, I'm, I'm a classic example of this. But if you look at, say, music influences, maybe there's people who have this ineffective humility, this sort of uh, defeatist uh, humility. Yet they listen to hip hop songs where there's rappers talking about, you know, all, all, all the, all the, uh, the, you know, em embellishing yeah. their, themselves, or they idolize uh, sports stars, Michael Jordan or Kobe or whatever. Maybe calling bullshit and saying you're not being humble, you're being weak. Mm. Yeah. I personally benefit really well from for being challenged like that is because. There's a certain part of me which thinks there's like a strength, there's some nobility in being humble. And then when someone challenges me and says, no, you're being a pussy, I'm like, oof. Yeah, okay. especially because they were saying if like it's coming from a place of fear. It's basically you're letting fear dictate your life. It's not actually yeah. logical, like this is the correct thing to do. It's a virtuous. It's like, no, you're hiding behind a virtuous mask. But yeah. it's fear that's in the driver's seat. Yeah. And that's such a strong point. You know what? And that's like the point where I would love to end it. And I think what you Ooh. said there is just, that's the question I would pass on to everyone at home. Is the humility that you're putting on, is it because you're actually trying to align with a virtue, something that's actually impactful for you and helpful for you and helps the world? Or is it just more convenient? Mm -hmm. Is it perhaps an easier way to go about things where you don't have to put yourself out there for judgment of others, yourself, put yourself in opportunities where you might fail? Is it actually weakness in disguise as a virtue? Yeah. And if that question poked you a lot, that means you should explore it. Like phenomenal question, Alex. So again, guys, I hope this podcast helped. 
Um, I hope nobody squirmed too much in their seat listening to this, <laughs> but I think it's a really impactful thing. So, and again, if you didn't listen to the one episode we did before this about judging people and why it's okay and what's effective and not effective, please go ahead and do that. And I'll give you a lot of context. Aside from that, we will see you on the next episode, guys. Thank you for listening to the Emotional Fortitude Podcast. Please tell a friend if you enjoyed it and found value in it. Three last things before you go, though. If you feel like someone else with your exact skill set and abilities could be accomplishing more than you currently are, that's a mindset and emotional access issue. And here are three ways I'd love to help you conquer any internal limitations, go big, and win. One, three quick ideas Tuesday newsletter. It's a weekly email with three quick ideas around one aspect of elite performance and how to approach it differently to get better and faster results. People say it's the most thought-provoking and impactful two minutes they spend in their inbox each week. It's easy to sign up to and easy to cancel, and you can sign up at edamumryan.com slash three ideas. Two is the Emotional Fortitude Micro Course. It will help you build the emotional fortitude and confidently tackle any goal. It's the complete, nothing held back, emotional fortitude system in five simple parts. It's all under five minutes each module. See it, use it, and win. And it's completely free at edamumryan.com slash course. And number three, lastly, if you want to dive in and aggressively level up, the Arena Mindset Accelerator might be for you. It's a six-week intense sprint for entrepreneurs who are up for a dramatic transformation. It's an interactive live program where you'll be working with me in a very hands-on way to get clarity on what you want, build an effective mindset to optimize for your goals, and establish elite emotional fortitude that would allow you to overcome any fear or doubt that could get in your way. You can learn more at edamarmorani.com slash accelerator. You can find all of these links in the show notes below or go to itamarmorani.com and have a look around. Until next time, who dares wins.